Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast, your go-to listening for everything travel. Here are your Travel Pulse hosts, Eric Bowman and Dan Callahan. Hey there, podcast listeners. Eric Bowman here, executive editor for TravelPulse.com, joined by my co-host, Dan, the digital man, Callahan. Dan, how are you on this Travel Tuesday of January 12th? It's another beautiful Tuesday out there, and I'm doing well. And I see there's a nice note you have here today being a national uh, day, which in- involves travel. What is this all about? Yes, it is National Shop for Travel Day. So if you're going to shop for travel right now, obviously we're in a pandemic, so things are you may not be traveling right now, and that's totally fine. But if you are shopping for future travel, which is a lot of people are doing right now, the best way to shop for future travel is how, Dan? That's uh, probably through a travel advisor, I'd guess. Absolutely. National Shop for a Travel Day. Make sure you at least think about booking travel in the next week if you're a regular traveler. If you're a travel advisor out there listening out there, make sure you communicate to your clients what today is. And even if they miss it today or if you're listening later on in the week, that's totally fine too. You can, you know, just drop a line to all of your clients and would-be clients, potential clients that uh, that's what today is. Yeah, there's a national day for everything these days. Uh, corporations and companies create them to generate some sales and some engagement and some moving in, movement in their own sector. You know, tomorrow might be National Shop for a Mattress Day. I have no idea. But because travel has their own day, and I know there's a few different days out there about it, take advantage of it before it's National uh, Put Your Hand on a Cactus Day or National Shop for a Mattress Day or um, National Refinance Your Mortgage Day. I'm sure all of those are an actual day on the calendar so just you know take the travel day turn it into a week and let your your clients your followers your your fans on your tiktok let them know that you know they should be booking travel through you today definitely so we got a fun show coming up for you today we're going to be diving into what is trending in the world of travel talking a bit of cruise news some some unfortunate news there we got some airline news as well some global travel news and we'll end it on with some naughty passengers which you guys love so much so no interview today but we're going to dive right into what is trending in the world of travel and that centers around cruising the majority of major ocean liners have pushed back until April, with Royal Caribbean actually announcing today, January 12th, that they're canceling through all of April, so the earliest they'll start is May 1st. Plus, now you've got no cruising at all in 2021 for the Cayman Islands. Uh, will another destination follow suit with this move? You know, that remains to be seen, but that's where we're at with cruising right now, and the big news is it doesn't appear we'll actually cruise again until April or May. And now that, since Royal Caribbean pushed back to May, it does kind of make you wonder, our Carnival and and Norwegian and the other brands going to push back into May because once one player did it, the rest of them followed suit. So very interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks for that. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I've seen more and most recently since recording this episode, I think Disney Cruise Lines came out and said they were pushing back so many, um, pushing back, um, obviously. And, and I think um, just to be able to handle all the different protocols, safety management and things, the vaccine, there, I mean, there's so much things going on. And I think we were saying that, you know, we were hoping it would be like February back in the water, then March. And now it's looking more like April or May. Um, I have no idea if the difference since it's up to the states to distribute their vaccines, if 
I, I know in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, it's slower than expected, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if it's like that in other states, if that's affecting things. Obviously, all the international um, destinations are in play here as well, um, and whether or not some will follow suit with uh, places like the Cayman Islands or you know some others, what's going to happen there. Um, I, I think basically whether it's the cruise lines, the, the destinations, the airlines, hotels, they're kind of all just like looking to see what others are doing and what, what works and what's not going to work. And I think like we were saying before and what the uh, WTTC is saying, which we'll get to shortly here, um, I, I think testing is just going to have to play a large role and it's going to have to be accurate tests that are going to have to be distributed and how they're going to be able to, you know, pay for that for, you know, all different types of people, different economic standards going to be able to do that. Yeah. And you have to wonder how long can these cruise lines survive with basically just no income coming in, you know, Carnival just posted a $2 billion loss in Q4 last year, but um, CEO Arnold Donald remains upbeat in saying that advanced bookings for the first half of 2022 are ahead of what they were in 2019. So, you know, there's some good news there, but you know, According to data from S&P Global Market Intelligence, uh, hat tip to Cruise Radio for this one, cruise lines are spending hundreds of millions of dollars per month. And in a zero cash scenario, the major three cruise lines can survive for another 15 to 24 months. So that's if, you know, heaven forbid, things get even worse and they continue to push back. I, I don't think that we'll get that. I think we'll, we'll, we will get back to cruising in the summer, but just to kind of run some numbers here based on that data. The Royal Caribbean can survive for 15 months. They have $4.2 billion cash on hand. Norwegian Cruise Line can survive for 20 months. They have $3.6 billion cash on hand. And Carnival Cruise Line can survive for 24 months or two years uh, with $14.2 billion cash on hand. So that's where they're at right now. Again, I just said, you know, Carnival posted their loss. All of them are posting loss because that's nobody was cruising at all last year. So that's obvious there, but a lot of them in the industry are remaining upbeat and trying to stay positive and, and optimistic about what the future does hold. So it's, it's, it is a good sign that the 2022 advanced bookings are, are rising up too. So Wow. And, and looking at those numbers, I know I brought it up last week. Uh, no one had uh, called me out on my um, uh, assumption with the airlines, with how fast it took them to say, hey, we're going to go out of business unless we get the government's help. Um, and now you're looking at some of these airlines line numbers and I've never seen them uh, these cruise line numbers I've never seen them broken out like this before but they've had absolutely nothing happening for uh, at this point 10 months uh, March it's going to be a full year and there's some of these a couple of these are going to be able to survive up to another couple years if nothing was happening and airlines all it took was weeks where you know they were just like all right you know we're at we're at the end of our end of the line here um so I, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like they're obviously they're two completely different industries and versus taking a cruise versus flying on an airline. I know there's way more airline passengers, but the uh, the numbers and the profits are probably way different than cruise lines, understandably. But I mean, just the, the drastic differences between the two is just I, I haven't seen it laid out like this, you know, and I could be wrong in airline numbers, but, you know, they've gotten two bailouts now and cruise lines haven't received that and they're able to survive uh a little bit longer. I, I don't know the, obviously the very high. I guess end. you Just, could say they're getting a different form of bailout because they're not going to get anything from the government. They're getting it from, you know, special investors and things like that. But yeah. uh, that's, yeah, it's certainly interesting data to, to take a look at and, and a, a good cross 
reference to check there in, in uh, comparison, should I say. So, but a number of agents I've talked to this past week have said that they're getting tons of inquiries uh, from existing and new clients for future trips. One crew specialist told me that he's had a bunch of new requests in the last two weeks and things are looking better for 2022 that he told me that, quote, if this keeps up, my 2022 will be back to or close to normal. So that's a good sign there. Hopefully they don't push back anymore, these big cruise lines. If they do push back, you know, one has to wonder, are they just going to keep extending cancellations until the vaccine is readily available? to everyone so that then they can make a mandatory to have a vaccine uh, before you travel that is, I don't know what they'll do there. I mean, Dan, do you even think they should do that? If that, if that, if they get to that point, is that a bad business move or a smarter, safer play? What's your take there? I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a bad business move. Definitely it's safer if they want to make a vaccine mandatory before getting on a cruise ship. I think that would be uh, the most, uh, the biggest way that they can restore confidence in people getting on shifts. It's just whether or not that's going to be feasible to, to happen. Um, I don't see that happening for a long time. And even those three major players can survive longer than a year. I, I think it's going to put a lot of the other ones, a lot of their other brands well out of the business or have to change them drastically. So I don't think that is feasible. That, that would be the best case scenario. However, like I was saying before, and I think it's going to roll into this next topic here we're talking about is that the, uh, the, the bigger play and what's going to be a middle ground. And I think enough to safely operate is going to be the testing requirements. Yeah, they've put in, that's what the focus is right now. So I think that's what they'll keep doing. I, I don't think, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that they should make it mandatory to vaccine. You have the vaccine before you board the cruise ship. You know, it'll be interesting to see what things look like in the summer when we get closer to that and the vaccine is readily available to everyone who does want it. But, you know, to yeah. our travel advisor friends listening, what do you think? Let us know. Podcast at travelpulse.com is the best way to reach us. And so I think kind of segues us. In. Yeah, oh, I was going to say, I think that once they get to that point of where, you know, the vaccine is readily available and if somebody needs to get a vaccine, they can easily get it before getting on a cruise ship. I, I think at that point, then, yeah, that, that might make sense. Kind of like last week, we were talking about needing certain shots to go into college dorms, certain um, shots or vaccines that you would need to go into, into school when you're younger, like things like that. Like then it, it would make sense. It's just that at this point, it's like it might not be easily accessible to large amounts of people. So there's no way they would be able to get enough people to uh, have that at this point. So maybe down the line, but at this point to get things going again, yeah, it's going to have to be that testing. And let's go into that, that next topic on that. Yeah, the World Travel and Tourism Council, they are against mandatory vaccines for global travel, and they're also calling for an end to unnecessary quarantines. They have come out in support of new measures designed to eliminate the need for COVID-19-related quarantines for travelers arriving at popular destinations. They believe that travelers providing tourism officials with proof of a negative coronavirus test taken before arrival is enough to allow them to avoid the mandatory quarantines still in place around the world. So what say you, Dan? What say you, travel advisors and travelers listening, podcasts, at travelpulse.com. Let us know your thoughts on that. Dan, take it away. Well, yeah, I think I've, I've made it clear already. I, I think the, the negative tests are going to be um, much better of a, of a play to go with. It's obviously not the safest, but if you want to go the safest route, then you're going to be, it's going to be a much worse situation. Obviously that would be ideal for everybody, but I don't think it's uh, feasible at this point. However, there are numerous different types of um, testing that, that can be provided. Obviously some are more expensive and more accurate than others and so on. Um, I, I have read the article here from the WTTC of what they're supporting. I don't know if there's any type of um, support, financial support that 
can get where people that, you know, maybe cannot afford this or maybe they can supply these types of tests for people to help boost travel. I think it definitely will. I'm just hoping that the type of testing is the most accurate. It's not those rapid ones that have high inaccuracy rates on either side of it showing, you know, false positives and false negatives. Um, but I, I don't see a problem and a need for these mandatory quarantines because people aren't going to travel if there's a slight chance that they're going to have to, you know, be stuck somewhere for 10 days before they can even leave a room or something like that. So I, I think that's the best route to go at this point. So I agree with the WTTC. Absolutely. And that has to be the focal point too. echoing on your, your statement of the make sure that it's a proper testing and it's not the it, ones that are lean towards inaccuracies on that. So that has to be the focal point moving forward. And I, I'm, I'm with that on that, you know, open things up and let's just let people get tested more regularly and, and go from there. So Moving on to what else is trending in the world of travel, we get segue to airline news. And this past week, all the major U.S. airlines have banned emotional support animals. So no more bringing your emotional support pig or peacock on the plane, folks. You know, this is basically too many bad apples scammed the system and now have ruined it for people who actually need emotional support animals. So that's the nature of where we're at right now. But it was interesting to see kind of a, a uniform push there and, and a, a big ban. Yeah, and uh, definitely people taking advantage of the system for sure. Uh, I'm now going to have to get rid of the two dozen emotional support scorpions that I bought. Um, so if anybody uh, has an interest in buying those off of me, podcast at TravelPulse.com. Um, I did see that uh, somebody, uh, there was an article um, off of Travel Pulse that I saw where dog owners are protesting the airline's emotional support animal ban, saying they are not sticking their dogs in cargo. Um and this is a hot topic because um, I would never bring my dog on a plane. Any of my dogs that I have, no matter how well behaved or trained they are, because that's just a completely different environment and um, not something I would put them through in a seat next to me or in cargo. I just I just wouldn't do it. Um, however, I, I do understand the need for some people that need to fly somewhere and bring their dog. Um, I, I get that. Um, but obviously, <laughs> there's no way that you can tell and um, my sister is a vet and actually has told me that people have come to her asking her to sign some fraudulent documents to list their animals as emotional support so that they can fly with them. Um, so it, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, and I've been attacked by a dog in the past year. And I can't imagine that somebody, if it's like, oh, it's my dog and airlines just open up like, oh, we'll have some special pet pricing type of thing. You have no idea what could trigger one of these dogs in a plane that could doesn't matter what breed of dog it is. It really doesn't, uh, or any animal for that matter. So it's uh, crazy. And I think at this point, honestly, I, I don't think, unless you have a legitimate support animal, don't even bother trying to fly with your animals. I, I wouldn't myself. So where, where do you stand on that, Eric? Yeah, I'm with you all the way. I think this is long overdue. This, Like I said, too many people scammed the system on this and made it worse for a lot of people. So it's unfortunate for the people who do really have legitimate emotional support animals that are trained and and can you know, go on a plane and, and respect people and people around them. You know, they're not a, a full service dog, but you know, there are some emotional support dogs out there that, that can, that can handle that. But then there's a lot of people out there who said that their little, little Fido, little Chihuahua is an emotional support animal, but then it wants to rip your head off second it gets on the plane. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not for that. Yeah, I'm glad that this is this is banned. Yeah, yeah, I I think definitely they got to take advantage of people um, taking. They got to take hold of these people taking advantage of the system is what I meant to say. I've been in college with people that have had emotional support dogs, like legit trained years and years of service dogs, and were 
perfect under any condition. Um, a lot of people uh, can definitely try their find a loophole and a way around that. And like I said, you have no idea what could trigger a dog that you adopted from a shelter that shows no signs of aggression whatsoever. And they're put into a metal tube with hundreds of people that is going changing air pressure inside of the cabin while you go up and you, land. you have no idea what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, I would just say to any dog owner, people looking to get dogs, I wouldn't even plan on trying to fly with them. Some people have had good experiences. You know, we've run the stories of people that have had their dogs. They willingly let flight attendants put them inside of crates inside of the overhead compartments or in cargo and then disasters happen. And I just wouldn't be able to do that myself. So, um, but one thing that could be needed on flights coming up, an interesting opinion article that we ran by Rich Tomaselli on Travel Pulse called Could Airlines Someday Offer Free Wi-Fi? Um, and be basically brings up the point of how that could uh, potentially spur up some travel through the air sector is if they were offering free Wi-Fi. With everything that's changing so fast, where you could be in the air on a five-hour cross-country flight um, or even in a one-and-a-half-hour flight down to Florida from the Northeast or something, um, I am fully on board with Airboards at least offering a portion, a snippet of time, maybe a percentage of the, the um, length of the flight that could be dedicated to free Wi-Fi access. This was something I personally ran into. I told the story a million times coming back from Antigua right as the pandemic was starting in mid-March. And they told us that the flight was going to have to turn around about 45 minutes into it and go back to Antigua because someone tested positive at JFK. And then we turned back around. But I had to pay like 14 or $20 or something to connect to Wi-Fi to figure out what the hell was going on because there was no way I was going to be able to go back to Antigua and I would be in a mess of a situation. Now, if something like this was available where you could connect for free for... I don't know, five hour flight for an hour or a half hour, something. They have the ability to do that, but um, I'm all for that. So where do you stand on that, Eric? Yeah, I'm, I'm with it all the way, man. I think free Wi-Fi is the ultimate game of what people would want. You get people back on board. So this all stems from um, Delta's new partnership with uh, Viasat, and they dropped exclusives, exclusivity with GoGo last year, and they are now partnering up with Viasat there and pushing towards you know free Wi-Fi. I think it was back last year in January, Delta CEO Ed Bastian you know, shared a vision of more seamless, connected Wi-Fi experience on board with the plane. So I think Delta's taking a huge leap there and, and pushing forward. And, you know, we're inching closer to what will one day be free Wi-Fi on board, whether that's, you know, the entirety of your flight, whether it's a package program, it will be interesting to see how that goes. But that, I think that's the future for sure. And speaking of airlines, uh, some things that we could need on there, free Wi-Fi, however, um, Free Wi-Fi for some people um, on planes these days, especially some of those naughty passengers, might not be the best idea. Obviously, there's been a lot of turmoil in the news from all around the world recently, and some of it has carried over into the airline part of the travel industry. Um, Eric, what, what happened in the past week after everything that went on in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, after last week's storming at the Capitol, airlines had to step up and change measures to protect flight attendants. Uh, this is out flying out of D.C. You know, Air, American Airlines increased staffing in D.C. and they actually stopped serving alcohol on those flights. Um, one flight, a bunch of Trump supporters were chanting of being uh, unruly, so an American Airlines pilot threatened to divert the flight if people didn't behave. Uh, no, no, seriously, like he got on the intercom and he asked, pe asked people to quote, please behave. Like it, uh, there's a video on Twitter. It was really interesting to 
to hear that from a pilot, but he sounded like an upset parent. Like, don't make me turn this plane around. I will put it on the ground and leave your in Kansas, you know? <laughs> so that's where that was interesting that that happened. Um, a number of passengers were also kicked off planes and became really unruly in the last few days. A lot of videos went up on Twitter. The, the, the hashtag no fly list was trending. Somebody created an entire uh, account of no, no fly list vids and posting a bunch of videos. Some of them were really old videos and they were some people just trying to pass it off as new. Uh, some of it was uh, people thought that they were being kicked off because they were being listed on the no fly list because they stormed the Capitol. And, uh, but that's not confirmed anywhere. It's most likely that they just weren't complying with the face mask rules or other rules in place. Uh, but in one video, you can hear a complete total meltdown from this guy. And he's shouting that they were calling him a terrorist and that he, I mean, you can, you can hear that the guy is clearly sobbing and he's, the video he's running around. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. So, but yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we do often joke about naughty passengers and everything, but this is definitely some serious stuff. The FAA even issued a warning to disruptive passengers with uh, federal aviation administration and minister Steve Dixon saying the FAA will pursue strong enforcement action against anyone who endangers the safety of a flight with penalties ranging from monetary fines to jail time. So, I mean, these are private businesses, folks follow the rules or don't fly. Why is that so hard for some people? Yeah, a lot of those things they clearly could be, you know, in any normal time if they were doing that, you know, doing chants or putting up banners and flags up and down the thing, probably being rude to flight attendants who are telling them to knock it off and stuff. I don't think whatever the cause or root of the reason of them doing anything like that on a flight is for, I think they would probably have been kicked off or diverted. We would have written an article about much lesser done things. And obviously there's been all sorts of insane things done the past year on planes. Um, but, but yeah, I think, uh, especially somebody like that, like the guy that was completely melting down. I mean, just first off, if anybody gets on a plane to go somewhere, just like in the name of a politician or something, I mean, I, I can't fathom myself getting behind something like that to that point, but it is getting crazy where now everybody is turning into a uh, employee of the FBI and they just want to, they want to cancel everybody, get them all fired from their jobs. And, uh, some of these people are just, um, on either side, quite honestly, can go either way or um, brainwashed to a point of where they're fighting for something they believe in. And it's not exactly uh, um, it doesn't exactly go the way that it should, as anything uh, that we've seen in the last week uh, can be summarized as because um, I, I don't think anybody on either side can uh, agree with what was going on. Um, but. I think we're definitely in some of these cases, I've seen articles out there about airlines and people demanding that they do not allow people that um, are supporting certain things to fly. Um, I even just saw recently something else that came up while we started recording this is uh, GoFundMe is actually banning users from fundraising for travel expenses to political events where there is a quote unquote risk of violence. Um, I, between that and all the stuff you've seen in the social media censorship and it, it's going to come down to news stuff too. And depending on, you know, all these major corporations that run technology companies of what they deem to be, what would they consider a risk of violence? A lot of this stuff is very, you know, there's no real set definitions of a lot of things. And, uh, um, it's just, I, the best way to summarize it is a very slippery slope. I, I agree in certain circumstances and others and hoping nobody gets, you know, crazy censored by, uh, tech overlords here. But, uh, um, yeah, it, you know, what happened on there and hopefully airlines can, you know, keep the flight attendants safe and not allow some, you know, insane people to be flying can cause some serious issues is really what it comes down to. I agree wholeheartedly with you there, Dan. I'm with you all the way on that. And, you know, we're going to have beefed up security in airports, airlines uh, for the inauguration next week. So hopefully, you know, that's not something that we have to continue to talk about of 
stuff that we've seen in the last few days. I hope that that settles down and we don't aren't talking about that on next week's podcast of even more crazy folks. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we've covered this. I know usually since we're more pro, uh, obviously more pro travel advisor than anything else. Um, I also did see the Airbnb is canceling uh, accounts and reservations for people that they say are connected to domestic terrorism and hate groups. Um, so I, I think every, the only one, yeah, Airbnb dropping, uh, not going to donate to them. Uh, Marriott is not, will not be donating anymore to lawmakers that, um, decided to go against Biden's election. And I think American airlines also came out and said that. So there's a number that have a number of com- travel companies that have, have been uh, dropping that. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of them have pulled back on their, um, contributions to, you know, political candidates that voted against a certain way. I think just on this one was similar to the GoFundMe one where they're just like, all right, we're canceling accounts and reservations that have been made by people that are, you know, connected to what they deem, uh, to be hate groups and domestic terrorist groups. I mean, you have no idea if they consider somebody a hate group, if they're a Republican or a Democrat or, you know, this or that, it's kind of, I just think, you know, you might be, you know, all for it because it's going against, it's not like we would all be in agreement if they're, uh, canceling reservations for somebody that's a part of, you know, ISIS or Al Qaeda. I mean, yeah, obviously, but I think it's, um, um, it can just be very loosely interpreted how they are deeming, uh, who can do what, uh, you know, from Americans. And obviously we want the best for everybody. And, uh, um, hopefully it doesn't become too slippery of a, of a slope, but, um, hopefully they make the right calls here and, uh, um, doesn't become a much bigger issue than, uh, what we've been seeing all over the place recently. Definitely, Dan. And what say you, listener? Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the best way to reach us. So that wraps up what we have for what is trending in the world of travel this week and this week's episode. If you've enjoyed listening to us at all throughout this podcast that Dan Dan and I have taken over, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, that's podcast at TravelPulse.com is our email and the best way to reach it. We, We love feedback and we love hearing from you folks too. So that's it for us. Thanks and have a great week.